0: Thank you, John. And to all those joining us virtually, I hope uh, that you hear the rain wherever you are, because it's been very special hearing rain on the roof through this service. This summer, our family went to Croatia to see Rachel's father, Bill, direct his last concert. He was a professor of music at Bethel College in Kansas and took his choir on a final concert tour of Europe. The last concert was in Dubrovnik, but we also got to see the next-to-last concert south of the city out in the countryside. The choir stood in the courtyard of what had once been a monastery, and we sat a floor above looking down on the courtyard. As the sun fell lower in the sky, people from the surrounding area came, slowly filling the seats around us and below us on the sides of the courtyard. When the performance began, The evening sights and sounds of swallows diving and swooping and of farmers bringing their tractors in from the fields enhanced the choral performance of sacred music. It was a beautiful, idyllic, magical moment. And then, during the singing of Precious Lord, Take My Hand, the bells in the tower began to ring the hour. The choir stopped for a moment, waited for them to chime the hour, and then continued with the piece. In that moment, it felt like a brief humorous interlude to the otherwise pristine evening. We learned later that as this was happening, the priest that was hosting the event was standing next to the uh, choir tour coordinator, and as the bells finished chiming the hour, the father leaned over and said in Bosnian to this gentleman, I'm so sorry about the bells. Don't worry, said the trip coordinator. Bill handled it, and it's not a problem. Yes, there was a beat, and then, oh no, as a new realization spread across the father's face. What, what's the problem, said the coordinator. I forgot to turn off the bells. The coordinator was puzzled for a moment, and then they began. This was Way more than just ringing the hour. These evening bells went on and on and on at a feverish pace. Ding, 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 ding. The choir waited. All of us in the audience waited and waited and waited. Who knew three minutes could feel so painfully long? They were so loud, you couldn't hear yourself think. When they finally ended, the choir finished the piece, sounding considerably quieter just because we'd heard such an incredible decibel level for the last several minutes, and at the end of the piece, Bill, the director, acknowledged those voices that were spotlighted in the song and then raised a hand up to the bell tower, to much laughter and applause. It was a special moment. What was already a dramatic venue and a beautiful music became an event that everybody there would remember also for a very different reason. Sometimes you just have to go with the flow. Maybe it's not watching your favorite soccer team today just because some monarch died this week. Or maybe it's letting that car that passed you on the right cut in front of you despite really wanting to make it drive into the light post. Or maybe it's giving up on a vision you had for something so that the group can agree on a plan. Or maybe it's listening to someone when you really have like a million other things to do, but this is clearly important to this person. Or maybe it's like letting an obnoxious church bell take over a concert and just acknowledging it. Sometimes you just have to go with the flow. We Mennonites love the imagery of going against the flow, and there's a lot to be said for that, and that is true to who we are as a people. We follow Christ, which means we are countercultural. We see things differently. We feel compelled to act and be different than the society around us. And yet, if we're being completely honest, we very much are all in the same river, headed downstream. And there's not a thing we can do about it. You just have to go with the flow. And maybe in this analogy, all of us on the river of life, it's all about how we go with the flow and how we get downstream. I love the imagery of water, specifically rivers. Growing up in western Pennsylvania, I spent many summer days as a child playing and exploring creeks and streams. I was well aware from a young age of the connection between a small rivulet of water and the monstrous expanse of the ocean. I knew that the stream I played in flowed into Jacob's Creek, which flowed into the Yokogany, which flowed into the Monongahela, which converged with the Allegheny in Pittsburgh to form the Ohio, which flowed into the Mississippi and emptied into the Gulf of Mexico. Rivers have always played a special role in my life. I've tubed with my grandfather down the lazy North Fork of the Holston River in southwestern Virginia that flows by the Scott family farm where my sister Corey and her family now live. Someday, I would love to visit my other grandparents' birthplaces in the Volga River Valley in Russia. My Oma was born the youngest of 14 siblings in Donskaya, now called Samara the third most populous city on the Volga River. When she was seven, her family fled to Canada, leaving many of her older siblings behind and settling by the Red River in Winnipeg, Manitoba. I felt the excitement and dangers of whitewater rafting on the Yokogany, very near to where I grew up. When my boys were young, we would go down to the banks of the Conestoga River in Lancaster to have picnics. Just a few miles from where we sat, the Conestoga joined the wide Susquehanna that flowed into the Chesapeake Bay, which flowed to southeastern Virginia by the island that my grandmother's Crawford clan settled hundreds of years ago, looking for a better life in a new, different world. One where they made their way and found success by exploiting others, owning slaves. All this close to where the bay meets the Atlantic Ocean. Today I am acutely aware of living just up the hill from the Menominee River, which meets up with the Milwaukee and the Konikonik River downtown to flow into Lake Michigan, and that will flow by so many peoples and different places through Lake Huron to Lake Erie, then on to Lake Ontario, down the St. Lawrence Seaway by my aunt and uncle and cousins and their families in Montreal, and finally, joining the Atlantic Ocean. Like people, rivers travel sometimes moving slowly and sometimes in a great hurry. Rivers follow the path of least resistance, even if it means going out of the way or meandering in directions that make squiggly, inefficient lines on a map. With a global climate crisis, we've witnessed that rivers can die, just dry up. Out west, the drought in the Colorado River Basin is threatening to change how the inhabitants of that part of the world live and certainly how they work and farm as well as play. And we've seen the devastation that can occur when a river floods. My prayers are with the people of Pakistan, 33 million of whom have been affected by flooding just in the last couple of weeks. The area that's flooded, a third of the nation, is equivalent to the size of the state of Colorado. There's good reason that rivers have been used to describe life's journey again and again. They're dramatic, powerful, inspiring, and we know we need them for life. Today's scripture choices were a very long list because of the prominence and significance of water and rivers in particular. Whether it's the creation story in Genesis or Moses crossing the Red Sea or the psalmist remembering the Israelite people weeping on the banks of the rivers of Babylon or John the Baptist baptizing Jesus in the Jordan River, or the woman of the well giving Jesus a drink, or Paul telling the false prophet that he would not be able to see in a mist blinding his eyes, or from Revelations, an angel showing the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb through the middle of the city. And on either side of the river is the tree of life, with its twelve kinds of fruit producing eats, eat its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Our conference, Central District Conference, is using the imagery of a tree this year. Clearly, the tree of life and the river of life are not unrelated. Next week, we will have the opportunity to celebrate and remember our relationship with our conference as representatives from the uh, Central District Conference will be here as part of the sacred listening process. We will recall our experiences upriver, those times and places that we have had opportunity to relate and experience our life as a congregation in relation to our conference. I hope you can be a part of it. Remembering is so important. It's important in helping us understand where we are now and where we might be headed. This past May, I got to follow a river upstream. Ray invited me to join him on a cruise up the Danube, traveling through Hungary, Austria, and Germany. I was very excited to visit so many places and spaces I'd heard about but never been before, going upstream on a famous river, stopping to visit big and little cities, small towns, and just watching the bank go by. Seeing and experiencing the lives and history of different peoples and cultures is such a gift. It was after our travels ended in Munich that I joined my family in Dubrovnik, Croatia. We traveled up into Bosnia and Herzegovina to the city of Mostar, where we met Rachel's father, Bill, and his choir. The Nuretva River cuts through Mostar with amazingly clear, cold water from the mountains. It also divides the city, Christian Croats living on the west side of the river and the Muslim Bosnians on the east. We followed the river back out of Bosnia to the Adriatic Sea and then down along the coast to Dubrovnik and then further south to a little town nestled on the side of the mountain that looked out across the flat land of the sea. It was in this gorgeous setting, in that monastery that dated back to the 14th century that Bill gave his second to final concert. We learned earlier in the evening a bit of the history of the monastery. Looking far upstream in time, we heard about the monks who lived there for centuries, living lives for Christ in a committed community, the church had seen so many nations and occupying forces come and go. More recently, it had seen the rise and fall of the Soviet era in Yugoslavia, and then the subsequent war between many of the groups that had made up the communist nation, Croatia, Bosnia and Herzegovina, Serbia. Bullet holes still pocked the walls of the holy space, a reminder of the violence, the tragedy, the death that still haunts the region. Everywhere we went, it was clear that resentment and bitter feelings continue to flow behind a dam of decency and stability. And then the concert began, and it was beautiful. And when the bells chimed the hour, I chuckled with everybody. And when the bells began to toll incessantly, I experienced something very different. As many of you know, I love films. What has always been the great draw for me is the window it affords me into other people's experience on the river, sometimes way upstream from where we are now, or at the same place I am and yet a very different perspective, or considering what things might look like downstream where we haven't even been yet. I'm a sucker for a good film. And there are many examples of good films that incorporate church bells in powerful, meaningful ways. Often they're used to symbolize hope and happiness at the end of a film, ringing out joy and life. Sometimes they're used as a cautionary sound, warning of a fire or oncoming aggressor. But in that moment, during the concert, I recalled another film, Breaking the Waves. It's a film that I can't say that I would recommend. It's amazing storytelling, but it is so brutal and painful, showing the life of a very simple Scottish woman trying to make her way and be a good wife, be a good person, be a good Christian. And she is cast out in every way. The last 30 minutes of that film was some of the most difficult viewing of my life. I don't know that any of you will ever watch it, so I'm just going to spoil it for you. At the end of the film, she dies. And after what has been a a two-and-a-half-hour experience of handheld close-ups and narrow shots, all feeling very much like a documentary, the very last shot is looking down from the sky and church bells ringing in the clouds. She is being rung into heaven. This all came to me in an instant as we sat listening to these super loud bells, and I was overcome. The closest I can describe the experience was how my mom has described one of her worst asthma attacks, sitting in a car on the way to the doctors and knowing she needs to get there, but feeling this overwhelming urge to just open the door and jump out, to get out, and not being able to. The bells were demanding our attention. It was as if every soul that ever traveled the river in that spot were grabbing me by the face and saying, I was here, I am here. And just as unnerving and disquieting, the experience was because everybody around me was laughing. I'm sure that I will be unpacking that experience for years to come, but I want to be very clear about why I share it with you and what I see as its significance to us. I share it because it was such a different experience than the corporate experience around me. And yet, I am so thankful for both that corporate experience and my personal experience. Both were very special. This is not me saying, see, there's another way to experience life or events, or see, this is what one really should have been feeling in that moment, or that somehow the profundity of my experience with the Bells was somehow better than, than anybody else's. No, it wasn't. I feel very strongly about But it was different, profoundly different. And there must be room for those differences. There must be room for all to experience in their own way, to be a witness to God's love and creation in your own way. We are so quick to put things in boxes or assume everybody is experiencing life in the same way we are, and they're not. And that's great. And so, as we bless our backpacks and this coming school year, as we enter this fall, having commissioned Team What to look at what we feel compelled and also willing to take on as a congregation, And as we each find our way down the river, recognize that just because we are at the same spot in the river, we each have our own passions and perspectives, our own challenges and triumphs. And all of them are different. And all of them are seen and known by God, and all of them, all of them are a blessing, giving us a bigger, fuller picture of the river.